Hey, everyone. Welcome to another Wonder Parenting Podcast. I am here, Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Gurian. And um, we've got uh, another great topic every week. It's a great topic, and we appreciate you listening in so very, very much. Um, Michael, tell us a little bit about one of our sponsors, The Forge School, before we dive into our topic for today. Yeah, The Forge School for 14 to 17-year-old boys. It's residential treatment. Uh, beautiful school, wonderful staff, um, short term. So six weeks to two months, maybe a little longer boarding. And it's, uh, it's in Benton, Tennessee, rural. Uh, so there's a lot of adventure therapy, outdoor therapy. Uh, so if people go to wonderaparenting.com and click the forge link, then it opens to their website as well. Um, I highly recommend it if people know of a, a boy 14 to 17 who's having issues. Excellent. And I uh, also want to say a big uh, shout out to uh, our other sponsor, sponsor, the Center of Place of Hope. Uh, they do such good work uh, for people who are going through uh, really difficult issues where maybe they just can't get through that wall by themselves. And uh, Greg Jantz and his team there do such amazing uh, work caring for people. And uh, Greg, as we've mentioned many, many times, a prolific author, uh, almost any kind of emotional experience you've had. He's written about it and he writes well about it. So I encourage you to check them out. Wonderparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. So previously on the Wonder of Parenting, we talked about uh, how to parent a son, a teenage son, if you're a mom. And I thought, what a great follow-up to do how to parent a teenage daughter if you're a dad. Uh-huh. And we both had that experience oh, yeah. twice over. Uh, I'm uh, right now the grandfather of an impending teenage granddaughter. Uh-huh. So uh, let's talk a little bit about being dads and raising these daughters into wonderful women. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful topic. Thanks for bringing it up. I, I, I guess I'll you know I will start with I have all sorts of research I can use, but I will start with just the fact that. Um, that I got to be a citizen science and check it all out with two daughters, you know, so mine are a little over three years apart, Gabrielle and Davida, they're now 31 and 28. Um, but when we were parenting them, um, you know, I could just see if, if the research was true <laughs> and what did I learn about parenting as a father? What did I learn? I mean, I, I learned, I learned op- that being open and honest was really good, you know, just, mm. just really uh, I, I talked to them about my life when I was a teen and about, you know, mistakes I made and things that I thought were really good. And, you know, so we, we, we had ritual times where we'd go, go for ice cream or we would do activities together. I also coached them in soccer, um, and tennis and, you know, tried to, I wasn't a great tennis coach, but tried to, you know, doing things with them, of course. And, and, and then conversations after that and, uh, and I, I think, I think I, I ultimately learned, I have a list of things we can talk about. I know you'll direct me, but I, I think one thing I ultimately learned as a dad is to, to trust the process as a dad, you know, as long as you're present, um, and by present, I don't mean every moment. Like I was on the road a lot, right? That was, that's my right. life. I was on the road a lot speaking and so on. Um, but when I was there with them, I was present and, uh, and as long as we're present 
and we're we're willing to be open and honest, then you know great things can happen. We can guide them. We listen to them. We guide them. They run stuff by us, you know that that we can help them with. Uh, they trust us, uh, and so be present when you're there. Be present. That that's a big part of my advice. Yeah, I, I uh, since you've got a list, I'm going to have you refer to it in a minute, but. I, I think as uh, one of the challenges for dads, uh, well, I'll speak for myself, but I'm sure I'm not alone. Our teenage daughters are moving into a time of life where they have female things happening to their bodies. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit hard to know what to do, how to handle that. That's a world most of us guys have never lived in before. Uh, our daughter gets her first period. She needs to buy her first bra. Uh, all of those things. Those are kind of hard to navigate for a guy. Uh, what were some of the things that you learned being a dad and, and, and just in your own research that can help dads as they sort of make their way through that, those kinds of issues that for us can be kind of uncomfortable? Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll put it into two categories. One was that part of my job as a dad, you know, was to facilitate, to help facilitate and make safe their relationship with their mom and their godmother. And, um, so, uh, so we, we made sure they had a godmother, um, and, uh, her name is Pam and she was Gail's best friend when they were growing up. And so they, our kids were really close to two, two women, um, especially to mom and to godmother. And then, of course, they had relationships with others through school and, and friendship groups. So uh, part of what I, you know, on those things was make sure they're really well bonded with with these other two, because those are things that those people have lived through. Um, but the other category is for me as a dad, because I'm so biological, I did talk to them quite a bit about their changing bodies and how boys see their changing bodies and how... Mm. You know, and I'm here to answer your questions about that. And and uh, uh, so I was always biological, and I I we didn't in our in our home the biology of the female was not necessarily connected to sexuality. You know, like a nude female mm-hmm. was not sex to us, and we raised right. them with art and to see that the female body. You know, that there's so many ways to have a female body that are beautiful. Uh, obviously billions of them because there are 3.5 billion females around. And I would really talk to them about that. So part of my job was, you know, however your body turns out, it's beautiful. And it's, it's, it's something that's biological. It's something that's part of nature. Um, and so even the questions they asked around menstruation or any of the questions that I got involved with, because they, they would ask me, um, you know, I would answer them as biological. And I think that's a really good thing. I think, I think dads, we dads can make an error when we pull ourselves away from uh, them as females because they're going through female changes, most of which are just body changes. They right. only intersect with sex a little, right? Because while our teens are with us, they're not really, you know, some may start earlier, but most are, their lives are not about sex, but their lives are about their body mm. uh, because of the changes their bodies are going through. So um, I would give them advice about sex. Uh, You've maybe heard me say this in my lectures. I said to them, my advice on sex is don't have sex until you've been with someone for six months. 
And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you and I are of the generation where we would try to get our kids to abstain until they're married. But, you know, we sort of were learning. Uh, or at least I'll speak for myself. I we sort of I sort of got that. Okay, my kids are not going to abstain until they're married. That's <laughs> these are changing times, but the concept uh, was don't you know you got to really know a guy, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna beg you to do at least know him for six months before you're going to have sex with him. And here's why. And then I would be answering biological questions about oxytocin, about bonding chemistry, about and then about how hurt they'll be. Uh, because, you know, if she's 16 and he's 16, their chances of him being around five days later are pretty low, you know? So, so love the guy, great guy, but he's got his own biology. And so that was, so I held that lane as a father. I was very willing to talk to them about anything having to do with their bodies and anything having to do with sex. Uh, the only limitation was I waited for them to talk to me on some things, you know, um, and sure. if they didn't, they had mom and godmother. And then I had to ask them what their boundaries were for hugging. Uh, you know, what, at a certain point, what did they like and not like from a man from hugging? So, uh, I, I, I deferred to them on how they were yeah. feeling about that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. That's a really helpful distinction uh, between focusing on their body as bodies Versus what we often get caught up in our culture, which is body and sex being the same. And to sort of make a mental shift, I'm, I'm helping my daughter navigate her changing biology. Uh, maybe, at least for me, helps put it in a little different light uh, rather than thinking this is all sexual. And it's mm-hmm. you're saying it's it's biological, it's sexual, but it's biological first and foremost as their bodies are changing. Yeah, uh, sexuality is a very small part, actually, yeah. of what's going on for them. A lot more of it is body image, self-image around their bodies. Are they hitting puberty when others were? Are they growing breasts? When you know all of those things, which which we guys know because we were like, well, is our penis as big as someone else's? And you know, and am I as strong? Do I have as much muscle? Uh, most of most of what is going on is more biological for them, yeah, than it is about sex. Yeah. 
we just, uh, the two of us just did a, uh, an event together last week, actually, where we were here in Phoenix and it was on fathers and the importance mm-hmm. of fathers. And there's a lot of research out on how important dads are in the lives of their daughters. And um, one of them is that uh, girls tend to be less promiscuous if they have a good, healthy relationship with their dad, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there are some other benefits to having dad around that they learn from dad, surprisingly. Um, you know, we, we, it's, it's easy for us as guys to think, well, they're entering teenage years now. It's all this girl stuff happening to their bodies. They really need their moms, which is true, but they really need their dads or a male figure a good, healthy male figure in their life as well. Yeah, absolutely. All of the statistics are are true. Uh, girls who, you know, who have the presence, like I was saying, the present, be present. So yep. not the absent father, but the present father. Girls who have that contact are less likely to get into drugs. They're less likely to abuse alcohol. They're, they're, they'll, they are more likely to get better grades. They're less likely to be sexually abused. They're less likely to be promiscuous. They're, you know, whatever value it is, let's say that we as parents have uh, for our children, the father is the other piece, right? Um, at least in terms of the nuclear family constellation, he's the other piece. And we, we take him out our kids are more likely to be promiscuous, as you said. They're even more likely to hit puberty younger. This is another mm-hmm. interesting biological function. Um, when father is not present, and of course, if father has passed away or he is incarcerated or something, yes, we'd be talking about a, another healthy male figure. I'm going to use the word father. When father is not present, uh, yeah, girls hit puberty earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, hitting puberty at 9 and 10 is really hard. So yeah. even that... Yeah. You know, it's doable. Obviously, many people, many girls do, but but even that is affected by the father. Huh. That's it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, the role dads that uh, that dads play, and and I know that a lot of moms are listening to this podcast. And what we want to say to moms is, um, you know, just let your hubby know he's really important. And if there's not a dad in the frame, then. Uh, and, and single moms know this, we've talked about this before, you're going to want to try to find somebody that you really trust, might be a brother, it might be your dad, whomever, but your kids, your daughter needs a good, healthy male figure in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it helps her later. It, it helps her because she's going to have to develop boundaries with, uh, yep. I'm going to assume she's going to develop heterosexually. So in 90, 92, 93% of the cases, so I'm going to use that right now, uh, the girl is going to be heterosexual. So she's going to um, uh, need to form bonds with males. And her understanding of the bo- boundaries of those bonds uh, makes sense through the father in some ways. And uh, and also, if the father makes errors with her, you know, if the father is too clingy with her, if, if he mm. messes up the boundaries with her, she then then she later is going to know that and go okay no those are messed up boundaries i need to do different boundaries with my mate obviously if he messes up the boundaries with her it's harder for her to form the boundaries with her mate uh but but even children whose fathers have really blown it with them those kids are still gaining something from the father um and they still some of their life some of their future they're going to always see through the lens of that father. So he's huge. Yeah. So you said you got a little list. Ah, I got a uh, list. Over there. Let's, well, let's uh, uh, tease out some things for us on the list. 
Okay, well, obviously, one of the key things is protection. You know, it's our instinct as the father to protect uh, yep. what we used to call provide and protect, right? I, I still think those words are fine. Uh, so provide for, you know, if I'm a father and I'm and I'm not providing for, then I really want to um, assess myself. I mean, I, I, I got to provide for as best I can. That's, that's an instinct and it's part of fathering. And obviously I'm co-providing if mom is also working and right. doing, doing those things, I'm co-providing, but it's still part of my purpose. And, um, and so that's on the list. The father has to see his life now as having this purpose. And, 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 uh, so to some extent, his purpose, he defines his purpose as to go do, I'm going to pick something he's a finance guy. Okay. To go do finance. That's my purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's your purpose in terms of work. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're de developing your child. That's that, that purpose of yours, it has to integrate with developing your child. So, okay. You're providing for your child and then your purpose has to be this child. Um, and, uh, and if I'm distracted from that purpose, then I have to assess myself and say, wait a minute, my purpose has to be this child. And part of that is going to be also protecting and there's nothing wrong with being protective uh, of this child. Um, the child is going to pull away, of course. You know, the child will grow up, become a middle teen, late teen, and go. You know, I don't, I don't want you anymore. And that's fine. That's part of the process. But, but we do need to protect. And so, if our child is doing something that is dangerous or wrong, or um, you know, can get them in trouble, or you know, we have to protect. We have to say no. You know, and that includes devices. You know, if my child, if, if if I have a daughter, she's 14 and she's on her device 10 hours a day. No, I'm, I, I've got to be a good parent. I got to take that device away uh, for a month or whatever it is. I got to protect her. And of course that will include teaching her the sexual rules. So she protects herself uh, with potential, you know, males who, you know, could do bad things. I got to teach her all that stuff. Um, right. That's so protecting and providing is, is, uh, you know, a lot comes under that rubric. And then another thing on my list is islands of competence. One of the great ways that fathers keep their bonds with their kid, with their kids, and I'm going to pick daughters with their daughter is by mentoring her in and, or joining her in her islands of competence, the things that she's good at. And, and so a lot of fathers coach their kids like I did, and maybe mm -hmm. you did, uh, mm -hmm. they're, Part of what I'm what I'm doing there as a father is, you know, I may not be great at that sport, but I'm trying to coach them uh, to help. Th I'm because bo I bond with them during the coaching, and also to help them. Is this your island of competence? Okay, you know, I'm, I want to give you opportunity there and help you there. It could be music, it could be literature. What they could have two or three islands of competence, but what, but whatever they are, it's a great advice for dads to try to figure out those islands of competence and then join them there. So like my daughters were in martial arts for a while. I wasn't great at that, but I took them to martial arts and I sat there on the bench and I watched them, you know, and, um, and I feel very fortunate that in my era, when they were really young, starting out martial arts, we didn't have, uh, you know, a lot of cell phone yet. As they were going into the middle of that time, we started having Blackberries that, you know, were taking our attention. But what I did is I didn't bring those to that 45 minutes mm. of, I because I wanted to watch them. I wanted them to know I was bonded with them. And, um, and, and also I could answer their questions later. Like, did I do this kata correctly? If I hadn't watched, I wouldn't be able to help them, you know? So, so I picked that, uh, to not bring a device and to just bond with them that. And the other one was dinner table. We didn't have devices 
We didn't mm-hmm. allow devices at the dinner table so that we could make sure the bonds were strong. So providing, protecting, and islands of competence, those are three. I have a longer list, but those are three. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to go back to the uh, the protecting for just a moment mm-hmm. um, because there there is some pushback about girls needing protection. Uh, push back to the the traditional Disney stories of the the princess needs to be rescued, um, and I think we would both agree we want to build our daughters to be resilient. Um, and um, so, how do we talk about protection as dads without feeding into the mindset of my daughter's always going to need to be protected by a man? Does that does that question yeah. make sense? Yeah. For you? Oh, I understand. Yeah. I'm I'm a you yeah. know I'm a feminist raised kid and I totally get it. And what I mean by that is if they're going to be in danger, you know, I need to teach them the skills to protect themselves from danger. Uh, if I see them walking into danger, I, I have a job as a parent of any child. It's not political. It's not, if I had a boy, I'd protect the boy, you know, it's not, this part isn't political. I, I, um, I, I can, I can be an empowering father which I, I definitely am and was. My girls are really empowered, uh, yep. young women, both high-level professionals, really empowered. So but what I'm talking about with protection wasn't to disempower them. That That's what I think the, the feminist um, uh, sociologists and so on, you know, they're talking about, are you protecting so they can't be empowered? Right. Uh, I'm not talking, and then they use fairy tales for that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... Um, because all the things I've described previously actually empower our daughters, right? Mm-hmm. Coaching them, their islands of competence, um, no devices. I mean, every single one of these things increases their bonds and their attachment and increases their ability. And all those things empower them. So when I'm talking about protecting, I would be talking about danger. So if 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 they, like, like two or three things, I think we've mentioned before, um, one is, like I was obsessed when they were late teens with don't take a drink that you didn't pour yourself when you go to a party. Mm. Because mm. when my kids were growing up was the beginning of the roofie thing. Yeah. Now it's even more prevalent, but, but, you know, we learned about roofies and, and all of that. And then both Gail and I are therapists, you know, so we had clients who had been sexually abused, molested, harassed, date rape, you know, we had these clients. So, uh, we, so that was one where, okay, remember, you know, and it got to the point where before our kids went out to a party, they'd go, you don't have to say it. I'm not going to drink anything that I didn't pour, or I saw the person pour, you know? Um, and then, you know, sex, I mean, that's another one where, uh, here are the areas where you could be in danger, uh, where mm-hmm. you could, obviously the roofie is one, but another one was, and I think we've talked about this one, the way that you dress. And this create, create, can create pushback, but everyone, when they use common sense, they'll go, oh, wait, that's just common sense. But, uh, you know, when my daughter, one of my daughters was 15 and she wore these, it went to a phase of these really tight shorts where you can almost see, you know, her genitals through these shorts, you know, and then she's going to a party and her top is just a halter top where you can see everything. Uh, no. And both Gail and I, no, you know, you are not leaving the house like that. And if people want to call that old fashioned, I don't mind. Um, uh, It's protection because Mm -hmm. she could be in danger and she's only 15 and she could be in danger. And I remember once talking about this and maybe you and I talked about this, but I remember once talking about this 10, 12 years ago at a conference and someone, a, a woman, a feminist woman, just getting really mad at me about that. And then, you know, we go back and forth and then I, and then I ask her, okay, 
do you have a 15 year old daughter? And she goes, uh, no, she didn't have a 15 year old daughter. It was political for her. Um, right. I believe once she had a 15 year old daughter who dressed that way, she'd go, you're not leaving the house that way. <laughs> so protection is if I see she's in danger and will I make a mistake somewhere? I mean, will my child later when they're 30 say, you know, that one thing you said, dad, I, you didn't need to say that, you know, that was overprotective. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. But I'm not doing her any harm by trying to protect her. Right. And, th and this is what I, uh, I'm glad that we're talking about this because what you're talking about is protecting our daughters to empower them. Not to smother yep. them, yep. not to rob them of their whatever. Uh, this is about building resilience in them. And really, protection in many ways is about setting really healthy boundaries. Um, because our all of our kids, male or female, they're going to have to live in boundaries. And um, part of our responsibility as parents is to say, these are... These are the moral codes. These are the ethics. These are the values of our family. These are our boundaries, and the, these are the reasons why we do them. And um, these are these are to keep you safe. These are to help you become a great woman. Um, and and that's when it's in the service of those kinds of uh, values and belief systems, we're doing our daughters a great service. Yeah, we we are. And you just stipulated something. Gil will love me telling this story because it, it makes me look stupid. No, I mean, <laughs> it's right along what you're saying. You know, um, when my kids were like two and five or three and six, uh, our friends had a hot tub and they would sit in the hot tub with us. It was guys, everybody. And they're in the hot tub and they loved the hot tub. And and we got into discussion. I remember this is, they were little now. I remember getting into discussion with a guy who had no kids who was in the hot tub. And he was saying, you know, when your kids are older, you're very biological and all that. And you're not, you know, he knew my work and not worried about various things. And you're a feminist and all this. So when your kids are older, are, are, would you encourage them to sit in a hot tub nude? You know? And at that time, I mean, this shows how, what a young feminist I was, but also stupid. Uh, at that time, <laughs> I said, and Gail rolled her eyes, I said, oh, sure. You know, it's just the body and we want them to be comfortable with their bodies. And sure, why not? Well, <laughs> so Gail, Gail said, I'm going to hold you to that. And I want to see what you encourage them to do when they're teens. And of course, by the time they were teens, I... I said, no, I didn't really say that, did I? <laughs> you know, and by the time, you know, it's completely inappropriate, obviously, for them to have uh, teen female bodies sitting nude in a hot tub with men. It was totally yeah. inappropriate. But that's where my politics, you know, when yeah. my kids were young, I was being a good feminist in terms of politics. And uh, once my kids were of age, I threw that out because the politics, that political stuff does not matter when you're trying to be developmentally appropriate with your children. Right. Right. And biology has a lot of things to say about our politics, right? Usually we try to impose politics on our biology and it, sometimes it, it's got to be the other way around. Uh, and um, uh, that's, that's, that really, uh, that's a great story. It One of really, my stupidest really moves story. as a yeah. parent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I hope uh, dads and moms that this has been uh, helpful for you. In a few weeks, I don't know how many weeks it's going to be. We've got some great questions coming up, but I'm going to, uh, Michael has put together this great comparison about males and females, moms and dads, and how they tend to pay a parent differently. And they have certain uh, tendencies. And uh, so we're going to pull that out in a few weeks and just talk through each of these tendencies 
uh, because moms and dads do bring some very unique assets, generally speaking, to uh, the table. And, uh, and this is one of them. Being a dad to a teenage girl is a bit different than being a mom to a teenage girl. Uh, just as we talked about last week, being a dad to a teenage son is different than being a mom to a teenage son. And they're both important. And uh, dads, we hope you've heard that today. You are vitally important. So, Michael, as always, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back with you next week for another exciting adventure in the wonder of parenting. Have a great week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.